What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian. My brand new book, Gut Feelings, is out right now. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, there's lots of new telehealth patient options right now. There's also lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E, Com. And as I just said, my brand new book, Gut Feelings, is out right now. I'm so excited about it. People are loving the book. And in my heart, my passion is for my patients. And this book was born out of the countless conversations I've had with patients over the past 13 plus years running the telehealth center of how there is this intimate bi-directional relationship between both gut and feelings, the physiological and the psychological, the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual. So I'm talking about this crosstalk between the two and how underlying gut problems like SIBO and histamine intolerance, food sensitivities, mold toxicity, chronic Lyme disease, this the physiological factors, the gut, let's just say the gut physiological factors on one end impact our mood, impact things like anxiety and depression and brain fog and fatigue. And then conversely, how mental, emotional, spiritual stuff, the feelings of gut feelings, things like chronic stress and unresolved trauma and shame, something I talk about in the book, it's called shame inflammation, how these mental, emotional, spiritual things impact our physical body, raising inflammation, dysregulating our nervous system, spiking stress hormones, and so much more. And I teach how to reconnect your gut feelings to really strengthen something called the vagus nerve, the lar- largest, longest cranial nerve in the body that's responsible for our parasympathetic nervous system, the resting, the digesting aspect of the autonomic nervous system. Anyways, there's a protocol that I adapted from protocols that we use for patients to teach people things like somatic practices and breath work and meditation and food protocols to ground the gut-brain axis and calm inflammation and stress hormones. Anyways, 
we're giving away tons of free stuff even now when you order Gut Feelings. So head on over to drwillcole.com, go over to the Gut Feelings page to check it all out. And we're also giving away free signed books. You can actually win a copy of Gut Feelings or any of the other books when you head on over to Apple Podcast and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, my team and I will be randomly picking winners. I'll reach out to you and I'll ask which book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. So you can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast Review itself, or you can take a screenshot of the Apple Podcast Review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And again, we'll be going through the messages on Instagram and the Apple Podcast Reviews themselves every single month. All right, let's get to today's guest. She is a long time friend of mine. Her name is Dana Claudette. Dana is a modern feng shui master and founder of the School of Intention, a school and a method of feng shui based on infinite possibility, creative awakening, and intention. After studying art history at Stanford and working in the arts, Dana found her way to feng shui. Practicing for the last 18 plus years, it's become a full-time immersive passion to continue to evolve the feng shui practice with an amazing online community, students, and clients around the world. Let's get right to it. This is Dana Claudette's Art of Being Well. Dana, where have you been all my life? It's been too freaking long. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I know it's been so long and I'm so happy to see you. Likewise. I mean, we, before we started recording, we were reminiscing the fact that we've known each other for a long time in the wellness space. And it's amazing how much has happened over these years and just uh, how have you been on a personal level? I've been fantastic. And I've been, I just said before this, I'm loving that, you know, from I think 2014 to now, it's like, Will Cole Central in Air One. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, for people that are Air One is the like, I don't know, it's the bougiest, best, amazing mecca of, and I say that with respect, wellness space uh, for people to like. And yeah, we have, a, I have a couple things that I formulated there. And thank you. I, I don't live in LA, so I don't even get to see it. I'm just going over to Target over here. <laughs> and there's no Will Cole in Target. <laughs> but no, I've been going to Air One since the late 90s when I would come visit LA and it's evolved. It used to be a little health food store and now just like everything in wellness has evolved, it's this huge celebrity crazy event. So everything has changed a lot. It really has. So I'm such a fan of your work. Let's start with maybe framing the conversation with how you got into your line of work. How did you get into feng shui? I know that it started with your own personal health journey. And just to give you context, a lot of people listen to this podcast that are that have autoimmune conditions that are working on healing from them or know somebody or just passionate about this stuff. So I know your story is going to speak to them. Well, I... I have to say, I wish there were people like you around when this happened to me because I was out on a raft on my own with doctors telling me there was nothing they could do to help me, but take a handful, 16 pills. That was how many I was given. I came to LA, I was working in the arts. I was doing all kinds of things. And I just ran myself down 
And I say this in a way that I don't know if anyone can really comprehend it, but from wellness, I was doing so many things to optimize myself. I thought I was broken. I had all of this drive. I was a very big achiever. And I was like, I need to be perfect. And I took it out on my body. And one of the things that you say that really speaks to me as like, you can't shame yourself into wellness. You can't force yourself into wellness. You need that grace with wellness. And I had none of it and it made me sick. Mm -hmm. And I wore my body down and wound up in the hospital in and out for two weeks of two solid weeks. I spent in the hospital with an unexplained situation where I, no food could stay in my body. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I had no idea what that was. And the answer was the handful of pills. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not living like this. All I knew was no. Like I knew that that part was not going to happen. And I understand that Western medicine saved my life. I am not hating on Western medicine, but I knew that wasn't going to be my path. And so I did my best to do whatever I was told while I started working on rebuilding my life. I was suddenly in insane amounts of debt, which I'd never seen before in my life. I had no health insurance because I was healthy. Who thought I needed health insurance? I had all sorts of thoughts. This is 20 something years ago. I had all sorts of thoughts about how life was just going to be my way. And I looked at my home and I was like, what's going on here? So I knew about feng shui. I got a few books and started doing tips, but I couldn't hire someone because I got in this mess by listening to what everyone else told me was best for me. And that was my fault. I was taking it all on. I was like, if you're a guru, you tell me what to do, I'll go do it. And so I was like, maybe I should just learn to do this for myself. So I started decluttering my house, clearing things out, making these shifts, these little tips I could understand. And I just decided to get certified for me. I was like, when I go back to work in the art world, I'll be able to do this. And who knows as a hobby. And it became a passion project, but more so I started discovering things. I discovered a diet that changed and saved my life. I discovered all sorts of things about my home that were affecting my wellness. I discovered myself and this crazy path that I'm on that I never expected. Being a feng shui master was not in the cards. Uh, all of it evolved from that place, but it had everything to do with finally saying, I need to figure this out. And I just know for sure it was a decision like, there is no way that these the pills were making me sick. And I was like, this is not going to be my life. I lost 80% of my hair. I know what it's like to be like leveled. I mean, and financially leveled, emotionally leveled, leveled in every way. And I felt like as I was rebuilding my little bungalow at the time, I was rebuilding me. Wow. Matt, powerful story. So, I mean, let's define that then. You're a feng shui master. People have heard of that term, right? It's like on the you know, fringes, I guess, of the American awareness, but they don't really know what it is. So what is feng shui? To me, it's the art and the science of, and now a lot of science, of creating optimal spaces. And really at its core, feng shui means wind and water. It's about being in harmony with nature. And the way that I work with feng shui, again, because I never intended this to be a career, uh, I started 
really looking at the core principles. I am a Buddhist, a Jap- I practice a, an orthodox form of Japanese Buddhism. I have this sense that the core Eastern principles really align with me, but the way that they're usually prescribed in feng shui is very strict and often doesn't really work with your space or your life. And you find yourself doing things you don't understand. And I'm a big believer that your home, like I look at your environment, it's so in alignment with your aesthetic, your home, your spaces have to be a reflection of you. And your home is actually an extension of you and your energy system. Mm -hmm. So as you start working with your environment, you actually can learn a lot about yourself. You can transform a lot about yourself and also all the energies of your life, which include wealth and happiness and health and all sorts of things, creativity, all of it. I love that. So I, I'm a big history nerd and I, I, I'm assuming there's a very, you mentioned that the art and science of this and Orthodox Japanese Buddhism, how, what is some of the history of feng shui? How long has it been used? Uh, thousands of, I mean, it goes way, way back. It's a very ancient practice and it's evolved in many ways. It's, there's many schools of feng shui. So people hear about compasses, they hear about all, uh, sorts of astrology and numbers and birthdays. And there are lots of different ways that feng shui has evolved similar to Buddhism. I don't know if you know anything about it, but Buddhism started as one practice. And then as the Buddha had all these discoveries throughout his life, wrote sutras, which travel to different parts of the world. So there's, you know, Indian uh, Buddhism practices, there's all sorts of Zen practices, there's Tibetan practices all over, and they're all based on these discoveries throughout his life, uh, throughout this one Buddha's life. And I feel like feng shui is very similar in that there were people who took the principles of feng shui and worked with it in one way and became the form school, became the compass school, became uh, all these different types of feng shui. And when it came to the Western world, of course, there were other uh, adjustments that were made. And I go back to the core principles, which have a lot to do with being in contact with nature, being your true self and really living in balance and harmony, which is all the things of wellness. Yeah. And I think of, as you're talking about this and what Buddhism and the philosophy around it and in and Hinduism, I think for some Eastern thought and uh, it, its impact on our culture today, I think of traditional Chinese medicine and what that's done and the meridians and the science around acupuncture and oriental medicine right now. And so is feng shui the uh, sort of a, another outer extension of applying these principles in somebody's life? Yeah. My acupuncturist taught me as I was getting well, acupuncture was one of my modalities. And my acupuncturist is a wild genius. And he taught me a lot about following the energy in my body, but also following the energy in my home Mm. and really understanding that the pathways in your space, the way energy moves through your space is like the meridians and how all the energy moves through your body. It's all very, very similar. I've been using Propolis regularly for years to help support my immune system and keep my body healthy when I start to feel run down or just from a maintenance standpoint. The one that I love 
is the Beekeepers Naturals Propolis Immune Support Throat Spray. You have to check this out. I use it as a daily ritual to support my immune system or I spray it to soothe a scratchy, uncomfortable throat when I'm talking to telehealth patients all day long or I'm traveling a lot or talking on the podcast. This is a game changer to support your immune system and your throat. Bee Propolis acts as the bee's medicine. It contains antioxidants, vitamin C, zinc, iron, B vitamins, and more to support the human immune system. Propolis is the defender of the hive, and bees use it to protect their hive from any bacteria that might harm them. Medicinal use of Propolis dates way back to before 300 BCE in the times of Aristotle. Aristotle is thought to have actually coined the word Propolis, which means defender of the city. This Beekeepers Natural product and all of their products are certified keto, certified paleo, gluten-free, and natural, always third-party tested and free of artificial colors, preservatives, fillers, alcohol, gluten GMOs, pesticides, and refined sugars. Bees are crucial to our planet's health. About one third of our food supply would be lost if the bees disappear. That's why Beekeepers Naturals is committed to sustainable beekeeping and pesticide-free products. Today, Beekeepers Naturals is offering you an exclusive offer. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash or enter code willcole to get 20% off your first order. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash Will Cole or enter code Will Cole. Beekeepers Naturals products are also available at Target, Whole Foods, CVS, and Walgreens. Start feeling better every day today. Let's make the connection now. I mean, how is our space... On let's talk about the you mentioned the art and the science. The what's the art of that? How does that the the way our space looks? If if it's our home or our car, messy car or our workspace, how does the art impact our health? But then what's the science show us today as well? So the art of it is that of course, if your space doesn't look or feel like you, it's influencing you all day long. It's like the elephant in the room that no one's talking about is your environment is having, we do mindset work. We do all of these meditations, all of these things, but when you're doing them and then afterward, you feel the effects, your space 24 hours a day, whether you're actively participating in it or not is affecting you. You are being influenced by everything in your environment. And so the art of it is realizing if you craft a home that's full of inspiration, that's full of your intention of what it is that you want, that's full of the ways you need to feel, want to feel, how you want to be supported, even the chemicals. I mean, I'm really big now on home detoxing and hearing you talk about mold, all of these things. There's so much about an environment that's impacting you, whether you are consciously aware of it or not. So all of this can be an art of creating the best home for you. And I'm a really big believer that your home is a creative catalyst and your office and your car, whether it's messy or not, and all of those things, how you feel when your house is clean is so different than how you feel when your house is a whirlwind. It's just, you all know, everyone knows, but there are ways that are actually really connected to you that you can create a space that 
really is like your life coach. Your space can be like a huge catalyst. And the science of it is now starting to become more and more involved in things like obviously home biology, this, the mold issues, all the chemical toxins. I was just told yesterday that my allergies are being caused by flame retardants that are in the air in LA. And I think from all the fires and everything else, I have like new filters coming for all my air purifiers. This is stuff that is impacting us in so many ways. Clutter, just the idea of flow and clutter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen studies, but people who live in clutter tend to have higher cortisol levels, which is crazy. And it's again, a reflection of what's going on. You're stressed. You have any sort of mental health issue, which is also a physical health issue. It lands in your environment. You don't have the energy to do things. You don't, it's the first thing to go. Your environment is the first thing that you can just go, let it pile up. We'll deal with it later. But at the same time, as it piles up, it becomes more difficult mm -hmm. to be able to confront it. Mm, so true. And I had to say like reading labs and, and looking at environmental toxins and obviously biotoxins, you mentioned mold, but even like the flame retardants and the other environmental toxins, it is high in a lot of people's body and they don't even know it. And you mentioned detoxing your home. So let, let's start there. What are some things that we can learn, lean into right now to start detoxing our home? I know you talk about different herbs and spices, like even to like clear out heavy energy from our room, our house. So give us the top tips. The simplest thing I think everyone can do is just take your shoes off. I mean, I think there's studies about like that 90% of the toxins come in through our shoes and into our environment, mopping and vacuuming like way more frequently, dusting. When I learned what was in dust, I freaked out. Dust is actually not dirt. It's not like dirt from the ground that's stirred up in the air like I thought it was. Dust is actually flame retardants and all kinds of chemicals and petrochemicals yeah. and all sorts of things. And molds too. Exhaust. Yeah. Yeah. And mold. And yeah. <laughs> it's all there. And dusting as a practice. And I like to make things fun. So when you're doing this, don't think of it as like, oh, I have to dust. Rather think I'm empowering my life. Not only am I doing this for my health, but this is going to bring me more flow, more creativity, more energy, all of those things. Rather than Oh, I have to do this. Like this sucks. Put on music, make it fun, open a window. If people who can, and I guess this is where it gets, this is where it really starts to bother me because there becomes sort of an economic cost to having clean air, like, and clean water. And those things suck to many people. I think it's very unfair that, you know, to get an air purifier that really clears your air, it could be seven or $800 for your house, which is a huge expense for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But if you can air purifiers, especially great carbon filters, great HEPA filters. I've been doing lots and lots of testing of air purifiers, life-changing and simple things vacuum enough. Like no one realizes we think we vacuum once a week vacuuming, especially if you have animals, you could do it every day. And that's not too much. And I know, again, it sounds crazy, but if you really want to detox your home, simple things like even the natural sprays and natural cleaners, 
you could make cleaners with vinegar and water for the most part with other things that are Castile soap, things that are like super, super minimal. My favorite thing, I don't know if you know what this is, is something called miracle soap. Have you ever heard of this? I have heard of it. I have heard of it. It, I feel like there's some random dealers always like selling this underneath the table. I'm like, this. what's the story behind it? Because I don't know much about it. I don't know. I, I have heard of miracle soap forever. It is like a random thing. I just got it from the company because I heard about it so many times. I clean, it's like Castile soap, but you can also, it's amazing for your skin. It's amazing for your hair. It's like, it's not like Castile soap in that like, if you wash your hair with Dr. Brahmer's, my hair becomes straw. Like with miracle soap, everything is incredible. So I love miracle soap. You can use it to clean almost anything. And it's bizarre that something can get the grease out of your oven and also be something that you want to take a bath in. And (laughs) it's got no chemicals in it. As far as I know, it's like super clean and I love the energy of it. Someone I know who had was diagnosed with Lyme, but that's kind of a weird diagnosis these days. It's kind of like, well, maybe, I don't know. She was just very, very sick. And she was in Australia and she was given miracle soap to take baths in. And she felt remarkably better. I don't know what it is. Well, the, and this episode is not sponsored by miracle soap, but hey, no. <laughs> no. Dana's available miracle soap. <laughs> I'm not a dealer either. I have nothing to do with it. And I deliberately stay away from endorsing any sort of products because I really feel like we should be able to have things be easy and accessible. People do this work all around the world. I want it to be easy for people. I love it. But think about all the ways that you can uh, do simple, make simple switches. The biggest one is candles. I used to think if I bought expensive candles, they would be clean candles. Even clean, expensive candles are still not clean candles. These are the things that, you know, again, not out of fear. I don't like anyone getting rid of their stuff based on fear, but when things burn out, when you're done with your candles, shop for a different one, like really shop and look and see what you're getting. Cause it's it's so sneaky how everything makes its way into our lives. Are there any candles that you like or any ways that you can like freshen up, scent up the air in your in your home? Beeswax candles are my absolute favorite. If you can find great, there are a lot of people who are now making them with their own bees and having this whole experience. Uh, beeswax smells really good. It also is meant to ionize the air. I don't quote me on that. I don't want to be like scientifically inappropriate, but I love the energetics of beeswax and when it burns, it's incredible. I also love aromatherapy, but if you have inappropriate, but I love the energetics of beeswax and when it burns, it's incredible. I also love aromatherapy, but if you have pets, kids, it's a very tricky thing. I don't know how you feel about aromatherapy, but I think for some people it's overwhelming for some people. It's incredible. Yeah. I think a little, a little goes a long way, right? I think it works for a lot of people. Uh, We have diffusers like essential oil diffusers around the telehealth clinic here. And it, I feel like it does uh, like the the research of forest bathing, Shinrin Yoku in, in Japan of of we we diffuse uh, uh, pine and different oh. evergreen essential oils. I, I it changes my mood. May, uh, and there's a lot of science behind it too with these essential oil compounds in nature. And I'm trying to mimic that as much as possible. If I'm going to be inside for ten hours a day with uh, seeing patients online, I'm gonna 
bring nature inside. That's amazing. Well, that's very, uh, pine is also in energetic terms, very wealthy and very, very creative. So I love it. That's great. So any, are there any brands of candles or essential oils that you like that you go to? I've actually been getting, I get things from strange places. The essential oils I've been using are from Australia, Secret Scent. Uh, It's one of my students has this very, she gets everything like harvested in wild ways. I don't have any brands that I necessarily endorse of anything. Uh, If you can find it as clean as possible. I like small businesses. I'm a very shop local person. So just as clean as you can, it's amazing. And know that not everything's going to be perfectly clean or perfectly every, you know, don't stress about it. Yeah. Don't stress about it. Yeah. So miracle soap doesn't make candles yet. They should not yet. I don't know (laughs) if they'll ever make anything new. I think they're just Just doing what they're doing. (laughs) Holy water. I don't know what it is. The holy water miracle soap. When you look at your hair, are you 100% happy? Many of my telehealth patients freaking love something called Vegamore. So I had to check it out for myself. Vegamore not only allows you to finally see results, but you can finally get the hair you have always wanted. Vegamore has transformed so many of my telehealth patients' hair. Their holistic approach to hair health uses smart botanicals that promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer-looking hair. Vegamore has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. The Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit works together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. All you have to do is just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds and then follow up with conditioner. It's as simple as that. And recently I started using Vegamore myself and I love it so much. It's my go-to shampoo and conditioner and is a game changer for my overall hair health as well. With Vegamore, there's no risk when trying because they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. But with 91% of customers saying they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months, you won't want to run out. Get the hair you've always wanted with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com slash willcole and use code willcole to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash willcole. Code Will Cole to save 20% at vegamore.com slash Will Cole. So I see people, and I do it at the clinic actually, I, and I don't know the science behind it. I've seen some small anecdotal trials with uh, things like smudging and, and sage and Palo Santo. I mean, to me, it really changes the environment that I'm in uh, very much so, and it's part of my sort of home care ritual. But what are your thoughts on that? Uh, and is there any any science around it? So with all things, I think our intention moves energy. A lot of uh, a lot of sacred herbs in different cultures are very meaningful to people's sort of personal medicine. Like people really associate a lot of people have a very strong association with white sage as a spiritual ritual. Some people it's frankincense. Some people go to church and it's copal or myrrh or whatever it is that's burning. So I think people have a cultural attachment to certain things that, and, and it is very much a part of their belief system. For me, if you like to burn things or you like to burn incense, again, 
always open windows and be as intentional as possible. The people who do energy clearing professionally don't like professional energy clearing, like ghosts and things like this that you hear about. It's all intention. It's all very much driven by intention. Your intention alone can clear your space. All of these things are tools to assist. So if you're burning incense, if you're deciding to burn herbs, whatever you choose, open windows, open everything up so you're not, the smoke is insane. Uh, So if you are burning things, open it all up and really see the energy leaving, like use your intention, set an intention before you do it. That to me is the key part Mm -hmm. of opening up to all of this energy and connect to what you're using because you feel connected to having that nature inside. Like you feel that. And for everyone, it's not just like a, a wand of herbs that's going to cleanse away all the bad vibes and all the things. It's you connecting to that nature mm-hmm. and using that to cleanse your space. Yeah. Oh, that's really well said. And that's how, that's how my intuition, that's how I feel about the whole thing. It's really just sort of a sort of a meditation in a way and a using nature intentionally. So are there any other practices, you know, people walk into uh, a new space or, you know, in their own space and they feel sort of a heavy energy, any other good practices there? Oh my gosh. There's so much that you can do uh, like really simple, simple things that you can do. Here's one thing I think everyone can do. Uh, grab some lemons. Uh, just so if you're going to do your whole home, grab a bunch of lemons you can use your old lemons that are getting like kind of dried up if you'd like. Chop them up and put about a lemon in each bowl. Grab a bunch of bowls. You can use the bowls later. Fill them up with water and add about a tablespoon of salt to each one. Sea salt is great. Table salt if you want. Put them around the house. Set an intention to cleanse the space. And after a day, maybe two, gather them all up, dump the lemons, drain the rest, big, huge home clearing. They're really, I don't know what happens with the salt and the lemons. It was an experiment that really paid off. In my feng shui school, we actually test space clearing. And this is one of the more powerful things that we've ever tested as a group. So super easy from the grocery store. Uh, Also another great thing to clear energy in space is, and also bring some magnetism to space is similarly, if you don't have lemons or other things, go get some sea salt, get it at the dollar store if you want, fill up a bunch of bowls and then stir in cinnamon. Mm. Cinnamon has really strong energetic properties. It's actually really strong anti-inflammatory as well, but really strong properties for your home. And so just stir in cinnamon into each one, put them around your house and you can leave them. And again, with intention that your house is going to feel stronger and lighter and brighter. And that's something you could do in your car. You can do it in your office. You don't have to burn things. And it's really good. I love that. Do you, uh, do you do any burning or smudging yourself? And if so, like, what are your go-to tools? I love very old school Nag Champa. I'm like a very old school with, with, I love that. I also love Copal. Uh, Copal is a resin and it's phenomenal and they make incense out of Copal. I don't burn a lot of herbs. I have dogs and they're always sneezing. So I don't like to burn too many things. And for some reason they react to herbs more. Always be aware of sometimes you might be fine with things, but dogs, cats, any animals you have, kids, 
you never know how people are going to react. So I always try to keep it as simple as possible. I love that. What was the first one you mentioned? Is it just sort of classic incense or what is it? Oh yeah. It's the Nag Champa that's always burning. If you go to, I mean, growing up, going to in New Jersey, going to the deli, people will be burning Nag Champa. It's that old school, you smell it everywhere. Some people say that it has manifesting properties. I think that's really interesting. It's very earthy and it's also kind of sweet. And if you love the scent of Nag Champa, you know what I mean. <laughs> I have to check. I, maybe I'm, I'm sure that I've smelt it, but I don't, I don't. I'm so sure you have. Yeah. So, all right. Now let's talk about some physical things we can have in our space to help with flow, energy flow, chi flow, you know, crystals. Everyone wants to know about crystals, to hear about crystals and sort of the art of that. And if there's any science and I'm sure intention is a, is a lot of it, but it's also, I see it as I call it God art. You know, it's, it's like from nature, it's something sacred, something many, in many cases, thousands and thousands of years old. There's something so sacred and eternal about it. Or, uh, so what are your thoughts on crystals? Do they play a role in the energy flow of the room? I think crystals are phenomenal if you feel connected to them. And always, you know, I always say when you're shopping for crystals and the best crystal people in the world have said the same thing to me, it's not just about what the crystal does. It's about the fact that you're drawn to it. Like you have that it's, it's for you. So always look for crystals that really speak to you rather than going, let me look down a list of what the things I want in my life. And I'm going to get those crystals. Uh, it's a good place to begin. And I'm a big fan. If you're going to have crystals in your house, it's a next level of maintenance. And what I mean by this is crystals are energy conductors, right? They, they're meant to hold on to our energies and intentions. You can hold a crystal in your hand and program it with your intention and then hold on to it and work with it every day. So crystals have this, they're sucking up all this energy. And in addition to that, they're sucking up all kinds of energy. So if you have crystals, one of the things you have to be willing, to, ready to do is step up your energy game so that you keep your crystals high and light and clear and clean as well. So it's just like mopping your floors or vacuuming or dusting, keep your crystals really charged up, put them outside if you want during a full moon. If you've got lots of them and that's not going to happen, just think about even walking through your house. This is a little ritual I have people do. Again, intention, but it works. Just go through your house, wherever you have your crystals, if you have tons of them, and just imagine like gold light pouring down on your crystals and really see them cleansed and cleared of all the things that do not belong. And that's a good way to stay in contact with them. So you don't just kind of have stuff plopped around and it's meant to do everything for you. Mm -hmm. You're working with it. And I think that's kind of the whole wellness thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like no supplement, no anything is going to do everything for you. Mm -hmm. You have to do things with it. You have to have that desire and intention and really maintain what you're doing. I love that. So I know very little about the crystals, like the actual uh, deeper art of it, but I know people have like crystal grids and a little bit like more deeper stuff. Is that connected to feng shui or is that other schools of thought? It can absolutely be connected to feng shui in the way that I work. Anything that strengthens your intention. I have a crystal grid sitting next to me. I have another one back there. So tell me about I them. Always... I don't know much about it. I always do things like this. I have a student in the school who does the most gorgeous crystal grids, and she inspired me to start doing these. I'll see if I can lift it up and show you. So basically, oh, 
when you're doing anything with crystal grids, it's usually on a sacred geometry form. So there's a flower of life or another sacred geometry form, which is very resonant with nature, very resonant with the vibrations of harmony Mm -hmm. in the earth. And so with a crystal grid, you can center it with your intention, and then you can arrange crystals around it that essentially strengthen your intention. When you're working with feng shui, that's exactly what you're doing. You're creating a home that is full of your intention. Mm -hmm. And so your home is like a crystal grid as well. You have a basic intention that you're working on, whether you want more wellness, more wealth, more love, anything that you're working on. And then you're arranging everything around your space to really work with that intention. So crystal grids are a fabulous way to really concentrate Mm -hmm. that. And there are really easy ways to get started working with crystal grids. You can find them on Etsy. You can find them in different places. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I love that. And people that are maybe newer to this, like looking at the history and we t- keep talking about the art and science, and that's what this podcast is all about. It's what wellness really is and what I do in functional medicine. There's an art and a science to this. And this this conversation that we're having today, it's just so rich with the both the art and the science that if you look at the history of any culture around the globe, if you look at Native Americans and Eastern culture, crystals are used in traditional medicine. Uh, even some acupuncturists use crystals for different protocols. Even if you look at the Old Testament and how crystals were used in the t- 12 tribes of Israel, the Old Testament's filled with different min- uh, crystals and, and specific precious stones to, that were used, that were used actually for spiritual purposes. It wasn't just because it looked pretty, that there's an intentional uh, aspect to this. I don't know if you want to speak on that at all, and because I, I think that's important because our Western modern mind somehow many people can poo-poo it as woo-woo, <laughs> poo-poo and woo-woo, but the reality is it's so rich with our heritage and ancestry. All ancient cultures had a much stronger connection to the earth, mm-hmm. and I think that's really key, and that's what all of these practices are. It's realizing the earth as medicine, food as medicine, herbs as medicine, stones and minerals as medicine, as understanding that's what you had to work with. You didn't have Walgreens or CBS. You didn't have these things. Like you worked with the earth. And there was also so much more of a grounding in all of these civilizations because you were working with the earth. Mm-hmm. So I always have people work on grounding practices in their life so that they can connect to crystals and plants. And, you know, having plants is wonderful, but talking to your plants really connecting to your plants is a whole next level of working with them. People say, how do your plants grow? I say, just talk to them, you know, and that's a whole next level of shutting down the noise that we pick up every day Mm -hmm. and really being connected to life. And so all of those ancient cultures had phenomenal ways of working with intention and nature and all of these amazing things. Mm -hmm. It wasn't woo woo at all because they could actually make that real link. Mm -hmm. One of the practices that I think a lot of people think is a little bit nuts that I have people do is to start talking to their home or talking to their office or talking to their car. And it's like, whoa, (laughs) what are you talking about? But when you start doing it, you realize, oh, everything has a spirit in it. One of the beautiful things that I learned that really got me in Buddhism was the idea that everything can become enlightened, like everything. And 
inanimate objects, any sort of living living thing, everything has the, this capability of being enlightened, being exalted, having this higher presence. And I think that that's the part of all of that ancient wisdom that mm-hmm. in order to tap into it, we really have to like downshift our lives and be able to make those connections. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, the, I, I'll, I'm going to confess how weird I actually am right now on the podcast. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a feng shui master. I don't know much about it. I'm learning so much from you right now. And I'll say this, the only, what I know about feng shui is from you. So just over the years knowing you. So I will, when I leave a hotel room, when I'm traveling for work or whatever, I'm here with my family, I will intuitively, whenever I'm leaving a hotel room or an Airbnb, I will thank the house. I don't know. I felt like a compulsion to thank you for serving me and my family. So I, I thought it was just because I was weird, but apparently I'm, I'm, I'm a student of feng shui. You're a, you're definitely a student of connection to life. I mean, I, I, I see what you do. I see all of your aesthetic. You have so much biophilia, like, you know, you have so much nature around you. You're so immersed in it. I think you're just really connected and that's why everything flows and you're able to help people so much. Thank you so much. So I love this. So now like the, my, probably my first awareness, I guess, growing up of feng shui, being interested in health and wellness was the placement of things like where furniture is, where your bed is. But I didn't, I don't know what the proper, what's the science of this? I know it's complex and you like, that's why people reach out to people like you, but what are some practical things people can look out for, for where their furniture is, for example? On a very basic level, do you feel welcome in a room? That sounds so simple, but it's unbelievable how many times furniture is placed in ways where you can't really navigate through a room. Uh, Do you feel, are you sleeping in a spot where you feel strong? And a lot of times people say, is my bed in the right place? I'm like, there's a lot of right places for your bed. How are you sleeping? First of all, how are you sleeping? But also, how do you feel? There's also bio, like, we have biological responses to things that are hardwired in us. So if you're sitting with your back to a door all day long and people can come in and out, you're on edge because you can be startled at any moment. So think about that in terms of where I sit, where I position myself rather than feng shui says this, or Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to, or I need to but realize like, this is uncomfortable for me. A lot of times people will follow what they've read or heard somewhere and they don't like where their bed is and it's not working for them. So I always think it's really personal, mm-hmm. but that, that feeling, again, we're not used to always feeling we're used to thinking and reasoning and asking other people, is this okay? And really part of this practice is learning to trust the way that I work with feng shui is learning to trust yourself mm-hmm and really connect to how you feel. It's mm-hmm. a lot of times people say, oh, eat intuitively. I think that's something you probably hear all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to eat intuitively if you're not at all connected to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it used to always trip me up. I'd be like, how do I know what I want to eat? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I that it's so funny that you mentioned that. My most recent book before it got, before this newest book, is uh, before gut feelings is in, was intuitive fasting. That was the conversation I was having is when you're metabolically inflexible on a physiological level, you're gonna crave things that are actually not 
you know, the best for you. So that's what you're saying on an energetic level is to go to get intuitive, kind of ground yourself. So what if someone says, well, they know intuitively something's off with the flow of their space. And is there, are there any maybe guides or resources they could look at to maybe determine where they would rearrange their furniture, for example, or other action steps? Uh, yeah. First thing, clear the energy of your house because that'll give you a crystal clear, fresh start. It. It's kind of like fasting. It's like a cleanse. Yeah. Clear everything out first. I think all of these practices work so well together because we all need a fresh start yeah. to begin and a baseline. And you already know something's off. And so now once you have things clear, start looking at what grabs you. What's the first thing? And always go for the easiest things first, because as you you well know, and what you do, if, if everyone has to change their life a hundred thousand percent overnight, it's not going to work. It's really hard sometimes to rearrange your whole space, get all new furniture, do all these things, start with what's simple. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that grabs you might be, I need a new rug. That's maybe an easier thing to do than getting all new furniture. And that could change your whole space. So always follow the things first, but clear space, fill up bowls with salt, do lemon and, and water and salt bowls, whatever it is, burn some incense, whatever you like, mm -hmm. but have that grounding within yourself. Self-care and home care are really the same thing in my mind. Love that. And I think it's just another extension of all of this. And I think that as people are starting to become more aware of environmental impact of mm -hmm on our wellness, I think that more people are going to be looking at environment in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. It started during the beginning of the, you know, pandemic, mm -hmm. but now uh, I think it's really stuck with people in a different way. I agree. And what comes to mind is as you're talking about that is just that a few years ago, that Marie Kondo sort of zeitgeist, I think that was happening. She was really bringing feng shui principles to, to America with, with that book, right? Yeah, it was. And it's a great thing. And I think, you know, I don't know that everyone can follow her method with clearing. I think for some people it was just like, yes, let's get rid of everything. Her whole thing is like, get rid of it all. If it doesn't spark joy, you get rid of it. And I think for some people they're there, they're ready. And that's the perfect thing to do for some people. It's too overwhelming to get rid of everything at once. But I think that fundamentally, a lot of the things that she's talking about how do things make you feel? Mm -hmm. What, you know, makes you feel joy? That's not a question that a lot of people had been asking mm -hmm. about their space. In fact, it's not a question a lot of people ask about life in general. <laughs> right. No, and I remember her, now that you we were talking about this, I remember her talking about when you give away the clothes, if it didn't spark joy, to thank your clothes, right? To that same sort of energy release of honoring, but letting go. Just like you thank your Airbnbs, <laughs> you got to like really just, you know, honor. And I always tell people when you're in a space, that's not your dream space. The best way to create your dream space is to start living now. Like you okay. have your dream space. Yes. And, uh, all of that has to do with gratitude and appreciation. And what that's one of the things that really struck me. I was looking through your TikTok the other day because something popped up and I was like, this is it. This idea that you cannot hate yourself and change yourself at the same time. You can't hate your home and change it at the same time. You really can't be at a war with your own self. Mm -hmm. 
and make positive changes. And sometimes the hardest thing for all of us to do is to just go, I'm great the way that I am. Mm -hmm. Like I really am. I'm okay. I love that. I mean, I think of, you know, there's some, it's a spiritual principle, right? It's, it's Eckhart Tolle says outward outflow determines inflow. I think that that's what you're saying here, right? It's like, what is your actual present moment? Like, what are you drawing to yourself? Uh, and that that's it makes makes a it's made a big difference in my life, right? To really be in like a radical acceptance sometimes. But he's Eckhart Tolle says, be either in acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm. If you're not in one of those modes, you're creating chaos for yourself and those around you. It just becomes harder. It becomes one more obstacle, one more clutter, one more thing yeah. to battle yourself on. And we have such a strong attachment to things. I don't think people necessarily always realize until you go to throw something away, <laughs> how you could be like, oh my God, what if I never find this again? <laughs> or whatever it is, It's there's so much of it. And I don't think we all have to throw away everything that we have. I think that we all have personal archives. You don't have to throw away every journal. You don't have to throw away every outfit that you're never going to wear again. It might really be something of your archives. But I am a big believer that it's so, so important for all of us to feel good. And I don't know that that message at first, people were like, what do you mean? You just do whatever in your home. No, there are definitely principles to follow. Mm-hmm. They're like, there are principles of nutrition. There are principles to follow. But if you can accept that you can feel good first, or at least accept, like you said, be in acceptance right now, it's really hard to make changes. Mm-hmm. Everything feels like a brick wall. Yeah, absolutely. And like we keep saying throughout this conversation, if we're saying as above, so below, or like outer clutter re- uh, creates inner clutter, but inner clutter also creates outer clutter because cluttered minds and energies can really, people will just accumulate junk in their in their life. So both sides, I think, need to be addressed to clear it all out. I, I know you talk about bedroom feng shui for sleep. So let's talk about that. What are some things people can do that, that maybe they're taking the sleep supplements or they're doing the blue light blocking glasses and all the things we talk about on the podcast for sleep tips. But what are what's some ways to optimize sleep from a feng shui standpoint? Always sleep so that you are, again, really feeling biologically safe and comfortable, which is a big deal. Uh, really look at the structure of your space One thing that I've gotten very passionate about is geopathic stress. I'm not sure how much you know about that. I know nothing about it. Let's talk about Uh, it. So geopathic stress has to do with, and I'm in LA, so we have a lot of fault lines. There are a lot of fault lines everywhere in the world. Any motion, water, or energetic lines that disrupt our ability to connect to nature. So if you're on one of those lines, you feel ill at ease. You never quite feel right. I had one of those lines in my bedroom and I didn't realize it, but for whatever reason, during the pandemic, when we had to stay home, I set up my altar to do my Buddhist practice in my bedroom. And I had this whole space and I was sitting there and I was like, I cannot sit still what's going on. Finally, someone said, I bet you have geopathic stress. And sure enough, I did. And so bringing in, if you feel ill at ease, if you can never get comfortable, I just assume there's some sort of geopathic stress. Amethyst can be really great. Like getting an amethyst crystal doesn't have to be enormous. Putting it where you feel the most ill at ease. Cork is incredible for geopathic stress. You can get tiles of cork. They're not that expensive. And you can lay them under your bed. 
one thing, and this is kind of my special thing that I have everyone do. Do you know about Organite? Yes. I, I don't know a lot about it. I know what it is, but it helped me learn more. Organite is a, a little, these, these look like hockey pucks. They're called tower busters and they are resin and metal and crystal that's all ground up and made into these little hockey pucks. So these are really economical. They're not very expensive. They're so harmonizing and grounding. And so for people who have trouble sleeping, I often have them get four of these and the small version. I don't know if anyone's going to see this. They're like a hockey puck, the size of my Yeah, It looks like palm. a black hockey puck disc. Yeah. And you can put four of these underneath your bed in the corners and it's incredibly, incredibly grounding. And so all of these things help to harmonize again. Okay. A lot of us have been hearing about 5G and all of the effects of all of these waves in our lives. And so just even though you can't necessarily do anything about what's happening with your neighbors, if you live in a place where there's lots of Wi-Fi, shut off your own stuff. At least get your phone out of your bedroom. Get the extra electronics shut off. Uh, that's going to make a huge difference in terms of the energetics around you while you're sleeping. And so all of these things are little extras, but also balance in your bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like think about how balanced is my bedroom? Is it really heavy on one side? Do I have all my furniture here and none on the other side? How can I balance things out? Look at the art in your bedroom. What is it saying? I've worked with a lot of people who have really dynamic, gorgeous art in their bedroom. And I'm like, this is so beautiful, but how does it make you feel? And it's very alive and awake and it's not very restful or even sexy for that matter. It's just very bold. And it's like, how about this goes in the living room? Let's find something, just repositioning, recurating stuff so that the messages around you while you're sleeping are really powerfully grounding. A really big feng shui principle, well, I don't know how much it's traditional, but I really ascribe to this is what you see when you first wake up. So if what you see when you first wake up sets your day, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is it. Yeah, this is my day. day. Yeah. So you wake up, you see something. If you wake up and see a stack of clothes or just get a hamper. Even if you can't do your laundry all the time, just get a hamper. You'll look and see, I have it together. Uh, <laughs> all of these things that you can shift so that you are far more in a space where life can end, the day can end well, the day can start really well. And these easy adjustments, I think a lot of people can start working with now. Oh, so many good tips. Thank you. Another thing that I've heard you teach about are colors and colors for in your home for different purposes. What are things that people can learn about there? Oh my gosh. Color is its own huge, huge like world. And color is so much an extension of us because color is energy. And I don't know if you have ever heard this, but a lot of a lot of color therapists have told me this. Color has been considered to be the fastest acting holistic modality of change making. Mm. So a lot of people who ascribe to using color as a way to make changes find it works very fast. So the easiest way to work with color is your clothes because you know changing the colors in your house constantly is not really possible for any of us. And so what you're wearing, grab colors that are really calling you. That's like 101 of color therapy, but also 
start looking at the colors in your home and adjusting the colors in your home. You want everyone, whether you have you live with one person, five people. Everyone's favorite color should be in the space somewhere. That's how I feel. Everyone's being personally represented. And as you start getting more into color, you can start thinking about, okay, in this room, I want to feel in my office, I want to feel more of a communication. I want to feel more communicative. I want to feel more grounded. I want to feel more powerful. It might be a blue for you. Uh, You might not like blue. It might be really cool earth tone for you that makes you feel really rooted and centered. This is something that you can experiment with. But again, as you start becoming more intentional about each space in your house, you can get an overarching sense of working with color. One of my favorite color therapists, as she works with color, she has people have one wall that they change more frequently uh, so that you can have one place where you can really mess around with color. But always know that when you do things like paint your walls or get rugs, that color is going to be so prevalent in your life. You want to make sure that it's not an intellectual choice, Mm. that it's a heart choice and that everyone in the home really feels it. You don't want to just force a color on people because it really does have an impact. I let my kids pick their accent wall color. And it's kind of the same thing. Like just, okay, what's what, what speaks to you? You can have white walls everywhere else, but, but like you get to pick that. So that's been- they, It's so powerful. Mm-hmm. No, it is. It is. They, they love that. The So I, I'm curious on a personal level, what your deepening of this art and science of, of energy really, and your relationship with life itself, what made you get- to the point in your journey where you decided, okay, Orthodox Japanese Buddhism made the most sense to you. I'm so curious to learn more about it and what differentiates it from other schools of Buddhism. I was introduced to Nishin Shoshu Buddhism when I first moved to LA and a lot of horrible things happened in my life all at once. And this is before I had any sort of health crisis. And I was actually told by someone that if I sat down and chanted that I would get anything that I wanted. And so I came into it from a purely selfish, (laughs) stupid child reason, where if I chanted, I would get whatever I wanted. And I was like, anything? And it was like, yes, anything. And sure enough, I chanted and I got everything that I wanted. And what I didn't know is that I didn't know how to handle it. Mm. And I got a lesson. I got major lessons. Uh, So I got all of this fortune and then I got a lot of lessons and I actually stopped chanting for a few years and just thought I figured it all out because I was all about like me, me, more me. I mean, just how do I fix me? What do I do for me? And it wasn't until I completely fell apart. As I told you that whole story at the beginning, that's when I came back to it and really understood the practice. And it really is like all of, all of Buddhism, Eastern thought, and even other religious Mm -hmm. practices. I don't really incorporate my, my religious practice in my work, but it's so much a part of my thinking. Mm -hmm. It's cause and effect. It's, you know, being a, what, as you said, outflow is inflow, Mm -hmm. doing the best you can, being the best person that you could possibly be. And also realizing that 
all of the practices we do for ourselves, there's practice for yourself and practice for others. And that to me is the key to all, whatever you ascribe to in life is that it's not about you. I mean, having everything be about me, it was a, got me into a lot of trouble. So it was really about how I could be of service. What could I do? How could I help? And that to me is kind of the, the fulcrum of it all, but it's a, it's a discipline and it's a practice. And I think what I got from doing this for so many years for so long is that everything you want to change in any way, shape or form. And I've seen this in so many other disciplines is a practice. Mm -hmm. You don't brush your teeth once, uh, (laughs) in Buddhism, it's said to accept is to accept it is easy to continue is difficult, Mm. but the true practice lies in continuing faith. And like, you really have to show up. You have to show up when you're tired, when you don't feel like it, you have to show up and do it. And that discipline of doing that twice a day, every day has so much to do with how I look at the practices and what it takes and understanding that starting with easy things that you can incorporate into your life really does make a difference because it's all just growth. We are so busy. We're bombarded with things to do, Mm -hmm. but little things you can do in your home can really make a big difference. Little things you do in your health can make a really big difference. All of it. Mm -hmm. It's all a practice. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'd love to pick your brain more about the, that, that Japanese, I, I just, I find it fascinating and people's spiritual walks. It's so interesting, but thank you for sharing a little bit of it, a little bit about it. As you know, the podcast is called the art of being well. This is your art of being well. This so the entire episode has been your art of being well, but I want to go just hit your hit with a few different things within wellness. First question is what's the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat because it's so good for you, not because it tastes good? It's a new one. It's the medical medium smoothie that he came out with <laughs> in his new book, Brain Savers. If you've seen the book, it's a smoothie that has radishes bananas. I mean, just get ready. Uh, mustard powder. Uh, (laughs) come on, Anthony apples. (laughs) It's endless. What is, Oh, and a whole cup of parsley. It is. That is the worst thing I have ever had. It made me feel great. I'm two weeks in. I think that's as far as I'm going to go for right now. I will come back to it, but that is the worst tasting thing I've ever had in wellness. It's it's uh, maybe some good uh, detoxing, methylation support, right? (laughs) Whatever it did, I'm just like, (laughs) I tried. (laughs) What, what's your dream vacation? If you had to pick idyllic, what's your dream? Dream vacation would probably be to now to go out to maybe the Maldives or definitely to Australia, to the islands off of Australia where it's really pristine and there's just so much good everything there. There's, uh, I somehow I am very aligned with the Australians. So I just feel like that energy so much. What is your favorite restaurant in the world? And when you're there, what do you order? Oh my God, my favorite, probably Little Dom's in Los Feliz, very neighborhood, local. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've but never been there, but I've been to Los Feliz. But. It's so good. And I am not a vegan. And when I go there, I always got the steak and salad and it's incredible. I love that. Have you tried Goop Kitchen out? You have to check them out. No, I didn't even, where is it? It's remote. It's that you order it. It's all on Uber Eats or yeah, check them out. They have 
like a gluten-free pizza situation, like a concept. And then they have like a rotisserie. They have a salad concept at this point. Oh, that's awesome. Delicious when I went out there. Really good. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. What's the weirdest wellness thing that you've done that you're willing to admit, admit on a podcast right now? Oh, my God. I went to a healer who, I, I don't want to say this and get anyone in trouble. I'm not trying to out this person as being nuts, but like beat me up pretty much. Like he was like pounding on my chest. What? I was pretty sure my ribs were broken. Oh I lost consciousness what? for a minute. Oh, a lot of people, you know, have gone to see the same person. Oh so <laughs> I want to hear who it is off. I can air. guarantee you uh, a lot of people, you know, have been there. I actually did after I called and made sure that I didn't break my ribs. I actually did feel better a few, but maybe a week later, but that was it. That was the end of the oh road for me. Gosh. I was. Well, yeah, because was, they, put, they, they took your distraction off of your. <laughs> and on oh my lord that is crazy yeah i was yeah i was told my heart was closed so it had to be beaten open oh it my was gosh dana that yeah. that is that is pretty weird pretty out there uh i guarantee you you know at least a handful of people who have been to the oh same person gosh. we'll have to talk offline we'll have to, I'll to hear about <laughs> this what what is we talked a lot about different spiritual mindfulness practices but I, I want to ask this question specific to like maybe any chant. Is there any chant that you think a beginner, we don't want anybody to draw too much stuff to them, but a beginning chant that you find to be the, a really great tool for people? What I practice is the only chant that I okay. do in my practice. So it's just now Mioho Renge Kyo. But I feel like if people find, and sound therapy is so awesome, something that we didn't talk about. If you find sound or frequencies that really are aligned with you, there's a great channel on YouTube called Meditative Mind. I don't know if you've ever heard I of haven't. it, but you can go there after you listen to this and you can turn it on and they have energy, like all sorts of solfeggio frequencies, whatever it's called, all tuned to different hertz. Yeah. And these different hertz are meant to have different effects upon us. And I just love the way it makes me feel. So you can find lots of, there are chants there, but there are also lots of frequency tuned musics that are amazing. I love that. We had Major on this show. His name's Major. He's a record, like a pop recording artist, but he puts all his music in those frequent, those uh, specific frequencies, the hertz to really support again, mimicking nature. It's really what we're talking about here. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah, it is. What's a book that you've read in the past year? It could be fiction, nonfiction. That's really got you thinking in a, in a fresh new way. This book, I, have, <laughs> <laughs> I just like, happen really? to have it. This book, I have it next to me because I, I was like, I need to pull it out again. So you lucked out. I am obsessed with these people. I don't know how I've never heard of them before. It's the book. This book is called Creating Money, but they also have, uh, and it's really not just about creating money. It's about really all abundance. And this, this book and all of their writing that I've seen so far, it's Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer. And it's so next level. It's all about being magnetic. It's all the things. It's very aligned with the feng shui and the whole method that I created. It's bananas. I was, they channel things like Abraham Hicks. It's so practical and so good. 
Thank you for that. Create creating money. I'll have to get that book. It looks amazing. All right, my friend, this has been an amazing conversation. We have to have you back for part two because we just scratched the surface. But where can people go to learn more about your work? How do you work with people? Tell us about all the things. You can definitely go to my website where all the things are, fengshuidana.com, F-E-N-G-S-H-U-I-D-A-N-A.com. And I have tons of blog posts and videos and YouTube and classes on all sorts of things. There's a professional certification. There's all of it. Thank you so much, my friend. Come back anytime. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.